A very good afternoon and a warm welcome to the Women in the CEO Community Career Management Forum. Thank you for joining us in the midst of a busy day to spend the next 60 minutes on yourself and pause to think about your own career. So my name is Gwen Wilcox. For those of you who do not know me, I am the CEO of Armstrong Wolf. If you're new to Armstrong Wolf, we are a global CEO advisory firm. We serve the CEO community with forums and content, 100% targeted to support the CEO mandate. So part of our work, we promote the cause of diversity, equity, and inclusion through the Women in the CEO Community Network that you are part of, by leveraging the female executives and also underrepresented groups of the global CEO community. So this is our purpose. Our ambition is to professionalize the role of the CEO and encourage all talent in financial services to consider the CEO role as a career choice. We do this through multiple forums and activities and provide you with career management series to support you on your journey. The community is all inclusive, I wanted to say that, irrelevant of gender or indeed seniority. So today's forum is one of four webinar series on guiding principles on how to manage and advance your CEO career. This is the second today. We have two very special guests with us um, and both have accepted to share their experiences. Please feel free to pop any questions in the chat as we go along. Remember that this is the time for you. So if you are able to use the chat, please do so as you hear um, content that you may want to query or have questions on. So today's presentation, I think, is common sense, but um, one of the biggest challenges we have seen is the widely different interpretations of what a CEO function actually does and what it should be accountable for. So the evolutionary model of the very office itself also, see, also seems to ebb and flow with the economic tides currently. So this is why we're giving you today an opportunity to hear from our career coach and industry professionals on defining goals and actions, identifying competencies, effective communication. So hopefully these are the right tools for you today. And it's really to take control of what you wish for your career to be. So after all, I think a good career is all about balance between earning enough, having a purpose, and feel that you are, you are in the driving seat. So to this end, I am very pleased to welcome Kate, Kate Hutchins, our Head of Career Management Practice and Career Coach. Hi, Kate. Hi. Hello there. Hi. So uh, well, welcome, everybody. Um, I have been with Armstrong Wolf. We just checked this out. Um, I've been um, connected with Armstrong Wolf for nearly 10 years now, since June 2011. And in that time, we've established uh, a career management practice that is quite unique in that it focuses on supporting those engaged in business management and COO roles. So I have a background in HR, um, in technology and finance, and um, I've come to career management coaching through probably my journey and, and my quest for um, doing something that means something to me uh, and fits in with other aspects of my life. So more of that later. Um, so also along the time that I've been with Armstrong Wolf, I've seen Recoup develop and it's fantastic to have been part of that journey and to be here with you this afternoon or this evening where I am. Thank you. Well, thank you. And I'm also honored to welcome Shelley, Shelley Liposky, uh, Managing Director and Global Head Business Risk and Solutions for BMO Capital Markets. 
and Joan Arena, former MD, COO, HSBC, and currently CEO for Builder AI, and also a Wikic ambassador. If I can leave you both to give us an introduction of your career path today, please. Hi, Shelley. Yep. Hello, everybody. Um, I started my career in uh, financial services doing sell-side mergers and acquisitions, and then moved into um, a COO role where across functions, um, that was during the financial crisis where uh, those, those that remember the financial crisis was a lot of uh, mergers and acquisitions, but also internal restructurings that companies were doing. Um, so we talked about a minute ago what, what the COO ro role looks like as your career uh, and companies um, mature. During the financial crisis, the COO role was very different. And in the years after, COO role evolved to include a lot more regulatory and transformation work. Um, so then I moved over to uh, BMO, where I was the COO for US trading initially. Um, again, a really different role. It was a new role during Dodd-Frank um, requirements that required US governance. Um, so that was a very different role. Uh, and then now I moved into this um, business risk and solutions role. Uh, which is, um, again, kind of a new first-line risk role in the office of the COO uh, globally. So very much in the same space, but really, really different roles over my career uh, in, in financial services. Thank you, Shelley, and welcome to you. And over to you, Joe. Well, hello, everyone. It's uh, great to see some familiar names that, I'm, uh, that I've worked with. Uh, I've had the pleasure to work with in the past, but to reconnect. Uh, thank you uh, very much for this opportunity. Uh, in terms of my, my introduction, my background, uh, 20 years on, uh, on the sell side, uh, Citibank, Deutsche Bank, worked and lived in New York, London, and Frankfurt. Uh, and during those uh, first 20 years was on the revenue side, uh, digital transformation and COO. Uh, I left financial services and was a partner at a startup global macro hedge fund. Uh, a very humbling experience. Uh, we closed the fund down after four years, uh, but learned a tremendous amount during that time. Uh, then I went to go work at uh, Bridgewater Associates, uh, which was another humbling experience. <laughs> uh, learned a lot of, at Bridgewater. Uh, then went back into the banking world at HSBC, where I had the opportunity to work with a number of people who are on the call uh, in London. Uh, similar type of uh, path, uh, joined as the COO, I did some digital transformation uh, work and then uh, moved back to the States as a regional COO. Uh, I am now the COO for a tech startup called uh, Builder.ai. Very impressive, Joe. So we'll get to hear from both of you in a moment, but um, Kate, would you mind? Let's get started, over to you. So next slide, please, thank you. So, so today's session is about self-awareness. Um, which you know is something that we all think about, but um, I want to examine it and, and help you think about how this relates to your career and can support you in having a meaningful career. So career is a big part of our lives. Um, it's a very complex relationship that we have with ourselves. It can be a very personal relationship. In previous sessions, we've explored this and we focused upon um, individual skills and strengths um, today, we are considering how your own interests and values can and should impact the path you take and help you to build a career that's meaningful for you. So um, 
these are kind of the, the areas that we look at and we consider that all kind of fit together to help us when we're thinking about career. Um, and as I say, we, we've, we've covered strengths in the past. And, and this session is about, as I say, not just understanding your personality and interests, but also what you need in life um, to make this all pull together. Sometimes I think we get so kind of focused on achievements that we lose sight of actually what's right for us. So it's about taking a holistic view. Okay, so next slide, please. So, so a good place to start is really mapping out where you are um, and assessing where you want to go. So we've talked about awareness of skills and experience and technical knowledge and, and your own personal style, but actually think about your career aspirations and your motivational drivers and your purpose. Okay, so what we tend to find is that you could have three people doing essentially very, very similar roles, but they're all doing it for very different reasons. So in terms of what your, what your purpose is and what drives you, it's a good way of thinking about not who you are or who you think you should be, but actually being very honest with yourself about what, what it is that gets you out of bed in the morning. Um, and we can, we can refer to this as um, your North Star. In other words, it's the element that must be present for your career to work for you. It might be a need to communicate or it might be a need to be creative within your role, but re be really honest with yourself. And sometimes it's a really good way, a good way of approaching this is to think about what others might say about you, how others perceive you, and also what you'd like your legacy to be. Um, you know, everyone talks about having a career plan, but I think it's important to recognise that having a career plan can actually be quite tricky. If we think about the last 14 months or so, um, you know, a lot of plans have been thrown into disarray. So I would caution against over planning uh, because you can't chart a course for navigating a path unknown. And planning really can limit how we approach a challenge and actually blind us to opportunity. It fails to take account of what we don't know that's out there. So what we, what we need instead is actually a quite simple, flexible tool for discovering and navigating the possibilities. So that's why I think it's useful to think of it as a North Star, it's a tool for navigation. And that allows for a discovery process that means that we can learn and adapt and it will shed light on the range of career paths that are open for you. So it sounds quite complex, but it's actually pretty straightforward. It's basically about establishing a general sense of direction. That's your North Star. And then you just take steps forward, making sure that each step is in the right direction. So, so in terms of deciding what your purpose should be, obviously it should represent your core values and your ethics. Um, but be completely honest with yourself. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be worthy or um, very value driven. I heard one very senior manager describe their purpose as basically I'm the thorn in everyone's side. That means that they keep moving forward. And, you know, that, that's great. You know, she recognizes who she is. She recognizes the impact she has and her value to herself and the organization. Um, and it's worth remembering, you know, purpose is really good for you. If we think about some people that uh, I've got two examples here, the Queen, David Attenborough, um, they both have 
a very, very strong sense of purpose. And so we can see by those two examples that actually purpose leads to longevity. Um, the philosophy Nietzsche, he, he pointed out that, you know, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. So if you've got that purpose, it actually supports your resilience. And I think we've all heard the Mark Twain quote, which is, you know, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. So when you're, when you're investigating, you're thinking about what your purpose might be. Recognize it, respect it, and give it your commitment. Okay, so moving on. So I want to share with you um, the Japanese concept of ikigai, which refers very much to this, to having a directional purpose in life um, and providing a sense of fulfillment um, towards which a person may take actions, giving them the satisfaction and a sense of meaning they seek. So, so basically, ikigai quite simply means, iki means life or being alive. And the guy concept is the benefit or the worth of that. So when combined, these terms basically mean the meaning or purpose of life, similar to the French concept of raison d'etre or reason for being. So this, this slide's quite useful because, um, and this is what I love about this concept is, is it combines, it intersects things like passion, vocation, mission. But it also, you know, it's not just about what you love. It's also about recognizing what the world needs. You know, there's a very strong vocational element for it. And it's very pragmatic because it also focuses on, you know, it has to be something that you can be paid for, something that you're good at. So, so it's really worth keeping this model in mind when you're making career related decisions. So, so moving on, in terms of thinking about who you are, if you think about organizations, every organization knows what they do. They know what they're there for, um, but, but they think about how, that can how they can differentiate themselves. Um, and why can be quite an important differentiator. Um, so if you recognize the why, you, you recognize what it is um, that, helps you and motivates you to su succeed. Um, there's an author called Sinek who explains that why is probably the most important message that an individual or an organization can communicate as it inspires others into action. And, and actually, if people really understand their why, that can be really, really powerful when you're communicating or you're trying to influence um, an audience. Um, people really respond to people who understand their whys. There's something about um, the listener's limbic brain that recognizes the passion in, in your, your belief in what you do. So it, it adds to authenticity. Um, so I'd like to ask our guests actually, with this in mind, um, what do your colleagues value in you? I'll, I'll, I'll start off. Uh, um, I'll, I'll start off by saying that, um, for me at least, uh, my why has changed throughout my career, right? It, it, it could be yeah. because of different uh, life experiences, uh, different uh, personal situations. Um, so the why has, has changed, not the why of who I am as an individual, um, but the why as to what, what, uh, what I'm doing at that time could have changed because of different circumstances. Um, I would say that my why right now at my stage in my life and in my career 
and uh, with the company that I'm working with uh, is really to see uh, individuals uh, grow and succeed. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm towards the tail end of, of my career uh, um, and I work with a lot of a lot of young people who are really hungry to learn. Um, and the, uh, the, great, the great thing about where I'm working is the, the founder and the CEO is somebody who worked for me 20 years ago. All right, so 20 years ago, uh, he worked for me as an 18 year old uh, getting ready to start Imperial College. Uh, and he's been a serial entrepreneur since then. Um, and uh, you know, he's brought me in as a CEO, as a CEO. So now 20 years later, I'm working for him. And for me, my why is really about would want to see him succeed and everybody that he's brought in uh, who are young in their careers uh, want to help out wherever I can to see them succeed. Um, so that's my why. And, and again, the why has changed throughout the years for different uh, personal reasons. So I'm hoping that's how people will, will, will see me at this stage in my career anyway. Yeah, so, so, so essentially it's supporting others um, in their career and helping them to, to reach their um, why? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and part of that is, is because it's a startup, uh, um, um, it's about building a sustainable business, right? So from a business context, uh, my why is how do I help this organization build uh, uh, to be a sustainable business? Uh, the way I like to describe it is, uh, you know, uh, uh, we're progressing, we're scaling extremely fast. Uh, uh, as a startup, you just you just move very fast. So now it's more about how do we build that uh, scalable business because we're at that stage now. Thank you. Shelley, would you like to uh, share your why? Yeah, so I, I agree that the why does change over, over your career. Um, you know, for me, I think that the thread that's consistent is, um, is innovating um, and creating and problem solving and, you know, that for me is, you know, it, that always requires a team. Um, it, it, for me, requires diverse groups of people to come together um, under a common mission. Um, and it requires, you know, the team and the leader of the team to develop those people. And so, it, you know, uh, some examples, it, it doesn't matter if it was the financial crisis or the current pandemic or business initiatives that, you know, we, we create internal, you know, entrepreneurship and intrapreneurship, um, you know, the ability to, to grab a bunch of people, you know, get together in a room, um, value the diversity of thought and experience that comes together um, with a developer and a, uh, a trader and a risk person and an operations person all trying to solve uh, and the client all trying to solve one problem. That to me um, is very motivating. And, and when you do that over and over and over again, you realize that, uh, you know, as Joe said, some of the people that were new to the team become the leaders of the team and some of the, and they go on to specialize somewhere else. And all of a sudden, at, a, at the same company or in the same industry or even beyond, there's this network of people throughout your career that you have seated in different areas. And, and it's, for me, that's very, very motivating. Um, it not only meets a business purpose um, at the time, but it, it transforms um, industries and segments and sectors um, you know, over a period of time. So for me, um, and I don't, I don't 
this this whole thing about the decline. We were talking about it before the session. I, I don't I don't think that'll ever happen for me. I mean, my my parents are in their 80s, and I think they'll work until they die, uh, just because that's who they are. You know, they're always creating and inventing and and doing different things, and so and I think that's okay too. You know, it's okay to reinvent and do different things. Um, you know, throughout your career. So for me, the why is all about the team and the mission and, you know, the innovation and, and the problem solving. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. <laughs> Fabulous. Thank you. Okay. So moving on. Some questions that can be really quite useful um, to help you uh, develop your, your self-awareness um, within your career is um, to think about what's, what's different from you about you now from when you were appointed to your current position. And perhaps Shelley, if we can start with you. Um, can I ask what's different about you from when you were first appointed and what have you learned in your current role and what have you found difficult? Um, well, I think, I think um, a couple things. Um, one is just the, the, um, the, the impact of the pandemic or any pervasive event on what you're doing. Um, it really puts things into perspective. It forces us to be more compassionate than we ever have been um, in, in this industry in particular, where we've been very focused on revenue and results. Um, you know, we've had to step back and ask people, you know, on my team, in every meeting, I ask them, how are you doing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? I've never asked that in my career. You know, it was always like, hey, how you doing? You know, and everyone said, yeah, fine. Now let's get on to the topic, you know, whereas now we're talking about these very specific things, mental health, emotional health, um, physical health and spiritual health. So I think that I think that's one thing that uh, I hope that we actually take with us. Um, I mm -hmm. think that's a, a big level set where it's caused us to pivot. So I think that's one thing that's changed, but that's because of the context that we're operating in right now with respect to the role. Um, you know, we, in building this business risk and solutions team that I'm leading now, these were in siloed teams in the past. And a few years ago, we brought them together, um, and started to transform them. And so we right-sized the number of people we right-sized, um, what, what those people were doing. We right-sized how we focus on real versus perceived risk. Um, and, and how we make sure that we're aligned with where our business is going. So our company made two acquisitions in the last two years, and that changed what risks we need to focus on. Um, and so I think, um, I, I think that, that if I think about what's different about me now versus when I was appointed to the role, separate from pandemic, it is um, needing to... Um, I would say just, just make sure that um, we, we've kind of already done this. I don't know. This is, I don't know. This is, this is new, but, but making sure that people are aligned is it such a big thing that if, as you move into new roles, that's always something that if it doesn't work, it's not, you're not going to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. So the more moving parts that you have going more plates in the air, the more, more time you have to spend on alignment as opposed to just mission focused. Uh, and so I think even when, when I moved into this role and we combined all these teams together, 
you want to go, you want to go fast, um, but you almost have to pull yourself back and slow down so that Mm -hmm. you can give people time to align and then you can run fast. Right. So I think that's, that's not a natural style for me slowing down. Um, so I think that's something that, that you kind of have to force yourself to do depending on the role. And that's something I had to do in this role. So can I just ask, um, sort of probing a little bit on that alignment idea, what do you think it is that, um, allows for that to happen that, that drives that alignment? What quality? Yeah. So we, yep. So I, I define that as shared priorities and, um, and measurements. And so we, I, on my team have um, objectives and key results, OKRs that we develop annually. They're aligned with our business. So capital markets, uh, priorities and strategies, and that is aligned to our BMO company uh, priorities and strategies. So there's alignment upward. And then I take those objectives and key results and I have the conversation with all of our risk partners throughout the organization. So you know, AML and operational risk and compliance and credit risk and market risk and each of our lines of business and technology and operations. So there's the the upward alignment and then there's the lateral alignment. Um, And then when we are aligned um, and it's okay that we're different but we need to be aligned. uh, Then we take those objectives and key results and we put plans together. Um, And those plans are are very detailed. Um, And we make, and then we go back around and, and and align again. If we say, these are our plans to execute that. How does the timeline work for you? Are you going to be launching a product or going into a dif- different ju- jurisdiction when we're trying to transform a key system that you need to do that? That's not a good idea. So we're constantly just having this feedback loop around um, where we're going, what we're doing, and then um, measuring that every quarter um, so that that uh, people know where they're going and how where they are against the targets that we have on a quarterly basis. You know, aligning at the top is one thing, but but if you talk to every person on a team, they need to also know where they're going and what their job is to uh, align with that mission, right? So we use objectives and key results, and then we do a lot of communication and the feedback loop and then measurement. Okay. So what, what I'm getting from you here, what I'm hearing is it's it's really, really key that there's clarity of information and communication. And yeah, like you said, for sure. Yeah. Saying okay. things 10 times. I use videos <laughs> that I do monthly with my team. And sometimes it's the fourth, fourth or fifth time that they've heard something that they start to, it starts to really, um, I think they say seven to 10 times, but it takes a while to repeat what you've been saying. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so patience as well. Thank you. And Joe, do you have anything to add to that? Well, it's different I, I, about you now from. <laughs> yeah, so I, I'd, I'd say the thing that's different about me, and uh, uh, it's sad to say that it's taken me so many years to get to this point. But uh, the big difference about me is just I'm I'm just so much more comfortable with who I am, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and uh, you know I'm doing what I'm doing more based on who I am and what I want to do as opposed to uh, because it's a job. Now, that's not to say that in, in my past, I haven't done a job because I needed a job. Um, but definitely, I've learned from that. And probably the biggest difference, and again, it's taken me many years to, to get here, is I'm just, I'm just really comfortable with who I am, you know, who genuinely I am. And, uh, 
uh, like with any job, there's going to be things that uh, one has to do that may not be aligned to what, you know, he or she really wants to do. Um, but ideally, if you could have a role where, you know, a large percentage of your time is what you really want to do, uh, then that's great. Um, and, and, and for me, it's uh, really aligned to who I am with uh, what the next opportunity was going to be. And uh, yeah, that, that, that's the biggest difference for me. Uh, so I really define it. Like you found your North Star almost. You're kind of, you, you know how to navigate using your, your North Star. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, can I ask um, what support you feel you need now to go forward? Because obviously, you know, you, you've had a really successful career. You've um, explored a lot of different opportunities and had some amazing experiences. So, so what support are you looking for now in terms of, moving yourself forward and what does forward look like for you? I'll, I'll, I'll take that for, I'll take that. Um, so uh, the, the support that I have really is no different than what I think most of us really want. And that's just to continue to learn. Uh, and I'm fortunate enough to be working for somebody uh, who's um, um, you know, who's not as uh, experienced as I am in terms of number of years in the workforce, but learning a lot from that individual and learning a lot from uh, the team uh, around here. So uh, for me, it's just about the support to continue to learn, uh, learn new things, learn how to work a different way, uh, learn how to solve problems in a different way. Um, so the support is just continued learning, being surrounded by people who will continue to uh, teach me along the way uh, and also even mentor me. Uh, um, so that, 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 that's the support that I continue and strive to, to look for. Um, and it, it's, it's really enjoyable when you're in an environment that you're just constantly, constantly learning. The hard part about it is that you're constantly failing as well <laughs> uh, because you're, you're, you're learning something, right? So uh, uh, um, uh, if you're not failing, you're not learning. Uh, so, you know, there is a balance of being comfortable in that kind of environment. Um, but when you have the support uh, within an organization or within a team or within, you know, a small group that allows you to fail and everyone has the same mission as to, you know, we're trying something different. It's okay. Uh, let's see what we can learn from that. Uh, that's, that's tremendous support. Thank you. Shelly, over to you. Um, can I ask what support you feel you need to move forward and what forward looks like for you? Yeah, I think there are a couple of things. One, one of the things I was talking about entrepreneurship before there's the, there's the, the, you know, business risk role, which is the mandate is to prevent loss and ensure we execute our business in compliance with applicable risks. That's the bread and butter. We have to make sure we execute our business uh, in the right way. Um, in doing so though, um, I'll give you an example of, of, of um, the future here. Um, I created this predictive capability um, to predict and prevent operational losses. And it was really out of a need that we had at our company um, you know, operational loss had always been backward looking, um, lots of, you know, meetings and decks and emails talking about red, amber, green status. And, and this, this solution that we created was to solve that problem. Um, realizing that there's an opportunity to take that to market and offer it to 
other banks and my peers that we talk about our problems all the time and how we're fixing them. You know, that became something that um, I talked about building and fixing and inventing and innovation. It's very motivating. And so when I think about what support I would need going forward, it's, it's support for running with things, right? So um, the roles that I have been most successful in are the roles where you're giving something complicated, people support you, but they get out of the way, right? And, and I think this example of creating this predictive capability and, and having the support from you know, our leaders and, and at all levels to, to run with it is very, very important for, I think, my future, but also the future of the industry. You know, we, we typically have gone outside and we've, we've got help for a lot of different things. But I think that when we solve problems by people closest to the problem, you get a little bit of a different result. Um, and that breeds this innovation, this bottoms up innovation, that I think is really important. So where, where I go in the future, no idea, but uh, running with the next thing and making sure that it's aligned with where our business is going is very important. And then having the support to, um, to innovate and solve problems along the way. And if those are problems that can help others within our company, but also beyond the walls of our company, that's the support you want. When I talk to other leaders at our bank and female leaders that I you know, network with globally at other banks, you know, we talk about these things. You know, we talk about the problems, what the solution is, and what we're doing about it, right? And, and it's really um, energizing to have those conversations. Um, so there's, there's the support, there's the people that will get out of the way and let you run with things. And then I think the third thing is just having that network of um, supportive people that you can brainstorm with and, and you know, think about the next big idea. Um, I think it's so critical to to foster that um, in your career. And I, it's been important for me as well. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. So moving on, um, I think it's really important to think, we, we've touched on this in the previous session, to think about um, your identity. Um, and, and here are a, a list or a range of the competencies required um, within the COO role. Um, while a CEO requires an element of all of these it can vary um, according to the role because as we've discussed before you know no, no two COO roles are, are the same in, in different organizations so so it's useful to keep an inventory of your experience thinking about the gaps perhaps that might be there and how you might bridge them and what sort of role you might be looking for in the future and what it might call for. So it's worth keeping a log of experiences and examples um, and to actually revisit these and, and check in with yourself occasionally. And also don't be afraid to make others aware as you're developing within these competencies that you're, you know, of what you're doing, um, point it out because um, that's another observation that was made in the previous session is it's not just enough to kind of work hard and be good at your job. You actually have to point out to others that you are that person. Okay, so um, I think there's some examples here, the obvious ones like sort of teamwork, planning, communication. Um, 
one of the elements that came out again from the last session was commercial acumen as being really key for obvious reasons to the role of COO and um, also the ability to manage conflicting priorities. So these are the sorts of things that it's worth just, as I say, making a mental note of when you're involved in something that's developing perhaps um, an area of, of your, um, your skill set and, um, and, and thinking about the examples that you would use if you were, say, on interview to illustrate that. Okay. So next slide, please. So, so thinking again now, moving back to what motivates you. Each of us is motivated by different things. And that can change based on not just um, our values and, and our life and, and you know, our belief systems, but also over the point of life that we're at. Um, Daniel Pink's an author who's done an awful lot of work in this area. Um, he's written a number of books and basically <laughs> to summarize Daniel Pink's writing, people are looking for three elements, autonomy. So basically the ability to work independently, to have ownership of what they do, to be encouraged to make decisions, um, to be self-directed. And then moving on from that sort of mastery, that sort of satisfaction that we all have from knowing that actually, you know, we're, we're quite good at what we do and we're doing something that actually matters and makes a difference to people. Um, purpose is sort of slightly beyond that, um, but it intersects with the other two. It's, it's feeling that we are doing something that is larger than ourselves, that as I say, it matters. It goes back to the ikigai uh, concept. So um, again, you know, this can change over time, as I've said before, um, early on in a career, we might be a little bit more um, motivated by say status or achievement or even income. You know, if we're in our first jobs and you know, we, we've got to support ourselves, income is really important. Um, but this changes over time. And as our careers develop, um, it might be that work-life balance figures a little bit more or autonomy and independence or the ability to be creative in our role. Um, so there are several ways of identifying what your motivators might be. Um, Edgar Schein has done a lot of work on career anchors and he identifies some of these. So as I say, he will talk about the ability, to, you know, people will value the opportunity to be creative within a role. Um, people will value the relationships that they maybe have in a role. Um, I've heard several COOs say that one of the things that they really value in their position is just the simple variety of the various different tasks that they get involved with. Um, or it could be, you know, again, another one very common to COOs is, is very much about problem solving. So, you know, it, it's important to recognise what your career anchor is. And a good way of thinking about that is that that's the thing that you need within your job to make that job worthwhile to you. And as I say, it varies for everyone. OK, next slide, please. So uh, quite an interesting way of um, thinking about this is your purpose to impact. Okay, so thinking about your purpose in relation to the impact that you have. And um, Shelley, you, you mentioned um, the thread that runs through your career. And this is literally what this is. It, it's helping you find your thread that 
is essentially um, helping you move towards your purpose. So it's worth thinking about, you know, if you're if you're struggling to identify what this might be, um, you know, sometimes people find this quite tricky um, to identify the core of what what it is that drives them. It's sometimes people lose direction a little bit. It's really helpful to think back and just reflect on what you enjoyed doing as a child. There's a lot of clues in there. Um, For example, you know, if you involve, if you really enjoyed kind of, you know, doodling or art or Meccano or building things with Lego um, or being out there and active and playing, you know, sport, just, just what felt good for you when you were younger. And there's a lot of clues in there. Um, it's also worthwhile thinking about a couple of challenging experiences and what you learned from that and how they've shaped you. And they don't necessarily have to be work related as well. There could be a lot of clues there that, you know, will help you identify your purpose and the impact that you have. And also think, you know, so, so what do I enjoy doing now? What means that I'm living a happy life? And is there a disconnect between the two? Um, you know, it, some people change dramatically from childhood, but Generally speaking, you know, there's a common thread that will you will be able to follow if you think about these things. And this will help you, as I say, to find that thread that Shelley mentioned. So moving on. So a purpose to impact plan is quite an interesting concept. We talked earlier about the danger of, of planning and setting too many kind of clearly defined goals for ourselves. So a purpose to impact plan actually takes the more holistic view of the personal and professional life. It recognizes that there are changes over time. Um, And again, you know, it's it's worth, worth thinking again about that North Star concept that we talked about. But yeah, the key word here is holistic. Um, So so for myself, for example, you know, an early career in the city, um, working in HR, long hours, absolutely loved it, very social, um, you know, but then two children come along, 17 months between them, which I wasn't quite planning on. Um, and that sort of upended things completely. And it made me think, actually, I don't want to go back to my old role. I want to work locally. I want to, you know, maybe um take my foot off the gas a little bit um so I did that for a little while when the kids were younger and then you know the other thing that then when I went back to work and I decided no I want to go back to maybe um you know a a larger organization having worked for a smaller company locally my husband's job took us overseas and so that came from nowhere just as I was thinking about you know setting back um my course and um you know it was one of the best things that ever happened to me And, um, you know, it came from nowhere. To cut a long story short, I did some voluntary work, which meant I was working with young people. That kind of intersected with the the fact that I'd really, really enjoyed graduate recruitment um, as part of my HR role. And so I decided to to walk away and do a master's in career management instead. And uh, now I, as I say, I work with Armstrong Wolf and it's probably um, the happiest I've ever been in my career. So, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that to happen at all but I, I sort of rethought things. Um, so I think, you know, a purpose to impact plan, a, a great quote is, I plan and I remain open, open and flexible to opportunities that arise. That's a really great thing to bear in mind. So next slide, please. 
So a, the kaleidoscope model is a really useful model um, when thinking about career and especially careers related to women. Um, so a kaleidoscope, we all know what a kaleidoscope is. Uh, we turn it, the chips, the pretty little glass chips, they fall into a new arrangement, the pattern changes. And women are continually shifting the pattern of their careers, um, like in the same way that the, uh, the kaleidoscope rotates. And they're, so they're continually kind of rearranging their lives um, to, to encompass the various changes um, that come their way. So um, with this in mind, I'm, I'm gonna mention uh, a chap called Donald, Donald Super, who actually was one of the very earliest career theorists. And he was writing a long time ago in 1957. So it, this might sound a little outdated as Shelley pointed out to me earlier. <laughs> And his writing actually started to support um, military veter vet veterans um, re-entering civilian life. So he recognised that there were, there were phases to career growth. Um, so the first stage was from, you know, birth to um, the age of about 12. And that was just literally growth, the childhood stuff that we were talking about. And then from adolescence to the age of 25, you're exploring different ideas and you're trying on different identities. And, you know, I work with young people and one minute they want to go into medicine and the next minute they're thinking about a career in marketing and then it's law. So they're just trying on things for size. And then from the age of 25 to 45, you've sort of found your path and you're establishing your career and things are moving forward. And, you know, probably moving forward quite rapidly. Those are the years that career trajectories tend to be quite steep. And you've got your eye on the next role, um, which is great. And then from 45 to 65, he talks about maintenance. So basically the career plateauing. And, and again, you know, this was written largely with men in mind. So, so we come back to this with this kaleidoscope idea and recognise that actually there are lots of mini cycles within this, um this pattern and especially for women so um quite often women might sort of plateau and then start all over again from the age of 45 or they might start they might do something completely different um and men as well you know as i say things change so so there is this constant um need i think when when you're thinking about your career to be open to reassessment and there's a really nice quote actually from Jane Fraser, who um, we know as the female CEO of Citibank. And I think she sums it up quite nicely when she says, you can't have it all at the same time, but you can have it all spread over decades. So Shelley, if I might ask you, um, do any of these sort of phases that Super talks about resonate with you? And would you recognize yourself as being at any stage in this career? Or indeed, have you had yeah. a mini cycle? <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a constant mini cycles. It's just a series, and and it's not even linear mini cycles. I think sometimes they're in parallel. Um, one thing when you were when you were going through the last few slides that I was thinking of is, you know, our we are not defined by our jobs. We are not defined by our careers, and so we may have you know, one cycle going on at work where we um, just got promoted or we're, uh, we've been in a role a long time and we're looking to be promoted or we, we, we want to change roles all complete, completely or careers completely. Um, but, but that's just one path of, of, or one dimension, I should say, of ourselves. If you think about another dimension, 
you know, it could be family. If you think of another dimension, it could be personal interests and passions. Um, you know, I talked about this thing that we invented internally. That's part of my job. And then there's this thing I invented personally and, and um, writing music and, and singing. And, and then there's this thing over here that is my family. And then there's sports. It's like all of these dimensions that, that really make us up, right. Make, you know, define who I am. And I think that, that this, um, mini cycles of, of that you just described, they probably are happening in all of those different dimensions at the same time. Like one is, one is exploring, one is plateauing, one is whatever the middle, the middle stage was, you know, (laughs) those are all happening at the same time. And I think, you know, to Jane Frazier's quote, you know, if all of those are at the same place at the same time, that's probably not a good thing. But if you, if you can kind of manage to have them in different be in different stages um, of these life cycles for different dimensions of who you are, I think that's not only more manageable, but it's actually pretty exciting. It means that if your job is not going so well, or you're feeling kind of, uh, you know, like you want it to be moving faster, then at least you've got this other dimension that is in a different stage, you know? And, And for me, I think I think that's really important to maintain that balance and, and lift ourselves up from defining ourselves as our, our jobs or our titles or our industries. Um, Thank you. That's brilliant. Thank you. I think it's a really key point, actually, you know, that, that this is a holistic thing that, it, you know, it is far more exciting and it's also a lot healthier to not just focus yeah. on career in isolation, but understand that sort of internet intersectionality with all the other aspects of our lives. And it's a really, really interesting point that, as you say, you know, if, if one is kind of maybe um, you're at the establishment phase in in one area, well, that's great. So go off and do, you know, explore something else and, and start the cycle again. Try something yeah. new. Keep reinventing yourself. Fantastic. Thank you. Joe, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah, I would, I would definitely uh, uh, second what, what Shelley's saying. Um, I, I, I wish I could say that my career path was a straight line, uh, but it definitely was not a straight line. Uh, I've had uh, opportunities where, you know, I was proactive in uh, changing what I wanted to do and uh, went through that cycle. And I've had uh, situations where I was not proactive in changing what I wanted to do. And I've had to go through those cycles. Uh, so so definitely agree with, with, with Shelly and everything that she says. I think the, the key thing here is, is being resilient uh, because you just don't know where, uh, what, what life will bring you. Um, there's a, uh, there's a great story, uh, uh, which it starts off about a, uh, a farmer uh, who loses his horse, his horse runs away. And his neighbor comes over and he says, Oh, I just heard the news, you lost your horse. That's terrible news. And the farmer says, good or bad, hard to say. A couple of days later, the horse comes back with two other horses. So now he has three horses. And the neighbor comes over and says, Wow, that's so great. You have three horses. And the farmer says, good or bad, hard to say. Uh, and then a couple of days later, the, the, uh, the farmer's son was riding the horse and he fell and he broke his leg. And the neighbor came over and says, oh, I heard, I heard the news and I feel so bad about your son's broken leg. And then the farmer said, well, good or bad, hard to say. And then a couple of days later, the army comes through the village recruiting for uh, young people to join the army. Uh, they look in the farmer's house and they see the young boy uh, in a cast and they keep on walking to the next house. 
And the neighbor comes over and says, wow, you got lucky. They didn't take your son. And the farmer says, good or bad, hard to say. Uh, so you never know, you know, when you think you're in a bad situation, you really don't know if it's good or bad. It's hard to say. When you think you're in a good situation, you don't know. And, and really the moral of that story is, is that no matter what situation you're in, don't think it's gonna last forever. Uh, you need to move on and keep on growing and being resilient. Uh, so good or bad, hard to say, whether it's a, you know, whatever, whatever's thrown at you is good or bad. Fabulous, I really like that. I'm gonna use that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so finally, um, I'd like to sort of finish up here by, by thinking about brand. Um, a really useful exercise to help pull all of this together is to think about your brand and think about some of the areas we've touched upon today. So it's worth going away and thinking about what it is that you are. Do you need to revisit it? Um, is it authentic and true to you? Does it ac accurate, accurately reflect who you are? And going back to, you know, one of the first things we said, where you want to go. So with this in mind, could I ask perhaps Joe just very quickly to share with us, what would you say is your brand? Oh, you're really putting me on the spot. Over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, let, let me answer it this way. Uh, I'll answer what I hope my brand is. Uh, not necessarily what my brand is. What I hope my brand is, uh, and I know I, 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 I'll definitely uh, caveat that with. I know I, I haven't been perfect all the time, but what I hope my brand is, is that people walk away and uh, they just feel like I've had you know a small positive impact uh, to them. Uh, you know I don't want people to remember me as to uh, I led a certain project and it got delivered on time. Uh, I want people to uh, walk away and say, you know what, uh, uh, I left a little positive impact. Uh, that's what I hope my brand is. Thank you. Shelley, over to you. Yeah, you know what, Joe, I, I was thinking the same thing. It's hard to come up on the spot with, uh, because I do think we tailor what our brand is for the uh, purpose. I think that's okay to do that, um, you know, but, but I do think that if you look big picture, um, you know, being a, being a leader is, means being a leader of people, you know, and, and it's not being a leader of a project or being a leader of, a, of, of an initiative, it's being a leader of people. And, um, and I agree that that's where my mind was going. I, I hope that the um, the brand is leaving things and leaving people better uh, than, than when I arrived. Fabulous. Thank you. So I think, you know, just to finish off here um, and to, you know, revisit some of the things that we've, we've touched upon. Um, think about your brand. When you're thinking about your brand, think about your purpose. Think about what you value, what makes you unique, what is it that kind of is the core of, of you. Um, and finally, I think, you know, the most important thing is when you've decided, you know, what it is that resonates most strongly with you, you know, it's not just a statement, get out there and live it, make it real. So thank you on very this, much. On thank, this, you. thank you very much, Kate, Joe and Shelley. What amazing session. It was just fascinating to listen to you. We've got a few minutes left before we can all go and Get on back to our jobs but i hope you've all enjoyed um, the pause and listening to these wonderful people 
Um, I really like that you're both thinking about your legacy. I think that's just a great thing to think about. Um, I just put for us, obviously, here at Armstrong, we're supporting the CEO function and, and the profession. I'm uh, supporting all of you, actually, on this call to get to where you want to be. So there's a few more tips and advice from me also as the, as the CEO community manager. Um, one is be brave, be bold, and be really true to yourself. I think we've discussed that. Develop your why is really, really important. Um, it's also so important to know what drives you, especially when it comes to um, building your brand. Um, and how to tell your story is a big part of, of that when developing relationships. And I think, Joe, you've got amazing skill sets at telling stories. Um, so ultimately, you are in your career. So keep connected. Come back and see us. Your network is key. This is what Rupik is all about. Find your mentors, use social media, uh, keep connected with us, keep, keep being visible, I think that's the message. Um, leverage your internal and external alumni also is quite key. And regularly review your organization's career portal. You never know what comes around the corner. Um, I hope this was helpful and insightful. It certainly was for me. Um, we'll share the slides that you've seen today. Uh, we've also got um, more um, articles to send to you that will support what we've heard today. Um, but the next set of forums are coming up in Q3 and Q4, and they are going to be about managing your mental health and stress as we're going to go back into some kind of new normal. Um, and then also we're going to have mentorship and management of relationships. So I hope we can see you then. This concludes our forum. Thank you again, Kate, Shelley and Joe. It's been a pleasure. Um, thank you for your candor. Thank you for your time. Very much appreciated. Thank you for participating. Have a good day. Bye.